are listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, Grace Livingston, and welcome to episode 14, Balancing Creativity and Orthodoxy as a Christian Storyteller, part one. Hey everyone, I'm Grace Livingston. I'm Josiah DeGruff. I'm Rolina Hatfield. And I'm Dea Slam. And today we're discussing every storyteller's best friend, creativity. Specifically, how do we balance trying to portray truth creatively in our stories while remaining grounded in Christian orthodoxy? We always want to make things new and exciting as storytellers, whether it's in our world building or finding a unique theme for our story or even in depicting our character arcs. But as Christians, we believe there are unchanging truths about the world we live in, and that creates this sort of tension between creativity and orthodoxy, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. I don't really have a specific question to get the ball rolling here, but we can just jump in and see where the conversation goes. Davis, you want to start us out? I was going to ask, uh, Josiah, I get the, uh, the crafting unique fantasy worlds uh, what are some examples of the uh, trying to maintain orthodoxy and crafting a unique message or depicting a character art? So, at least for me as a storyteller, obviously, you know, with fantasy world building, this can become an issue. But with regards to messages and character art, what I want to do when I'm when I'm crafting a message or when I'm telling a character art is I want there to be something new about it. You know, if I'm just mm-hmm. saying something that other people have said, you know, why am I saying this? By the people have already said it because they've already, you know, said things better than me. People already know this. I don't want to be telling people things they already know. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that makes me when I'm writing, you know, the you know, I'm trying to find, you know, what is the protagonist's epiphany? Where are they going to realize? I want it to be something unique. I want it to be something creative. You know, I want it to be something that's exploring the truth of this issue from a, a new angle that people haven't thought about yet because then I feel like I have something meaningful to say. If I'm just saying the same thing from the same angle, you know, why am I writing? I want to have a a meaningful angle that I can explore this topic with. And yet as a Christian, I can't just come and say, Oh, here's this brand new topic. No one's ever thought of before. Well, it doesn't really work like that because we have this, this rich theological tradition this foundation that we're built upon. And, and sometimes I find as a storyteller, sometimes I find myself going, oh, this would be, you know, really great epiphany for the characters. But, you know, is this something I actually believe? Is this something I can believe? I There's a tension between being really solidly built on Christian orthodoxy and these rich theological and historical traditions that our faith is founded in. And then also trying to exercise the creative side of ourselves where we're trying to be new we're trying to be unique we're trying to come at things from a new angle and it's really practical you know example of you know i don't know quite when this is going to be airing but a couple months before airing this we did a whole article series on on fox by nadine brandis and in my mind her depiction of the white light is a great example of falling into it that's depicting god in a very you in a 
I don't know. Can I say it's depicting God in a unique, creative way? But, you know, she's also trying to depict God for who he is. And, you know, can you depict God uniquely as a storyteller? Well, that's a hard question to answer. And what I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I bring Christianity in a unique, you know, how do you bring Christianity in a unique way into a story? You know, can you depict God creatively? Well, that's 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 a hard question I feel like for me to answer. I know I'm just just rambling here a bit now, uh, which is, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to discuss this because I don't have great answers for this. And this is something I find myself wrestling with as a storyteller is, you know, when I'm world building, you know, how creative and I can I be without really, you know, going against the, you know, without really depicting things I shouldn't when I'm depicting God. How do I do depict God in in a, in a real way? And there's so many questions that come into that. When I'm having my characters come into epiphanies, how can I have unique epiphanies that also aren't you know that are also built in our our rich Christian tradition? These are some of the questions that that keep me up at night. So <laughs> I am. These are some of the places I find myself wrestling this with with my own writing. Do you do either of you ever find yourself wrestling with this? Is this is this just me? How, how have you experienced or not experienced this? Um, I've experienced this somewhat in writing fantasy and depicting God because I actually have God speak to people. And mm. um, so that gets that gets interesting. Uh, I've also thought, I'm not sure if I'll do this, about writing a uh, Christ-era biblical fiction novel. And mm. if I do that, that'll be really interesting how I go about depicting Jesus because... <laughs> He's fully man and fully God, and that's really hard to wrap your mind around, um, at least in a believable way. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things I've come to the conclusion on is that, oh, and by the way, in the novel I'm currently writing, the fantasy one where God does speak, I, I base it off some things he says in the Bible, but it's not his exact words. I'm, I'm basically putting words in his mouth. So that makes it a little extra edgy. And the thing I've come to the conclusion on is that when I'm writing these words, I'm not saying this is actually how God is. And I'm really hoping, and I believe readers will not take it as that way, but will take it as this is how I believe God is. And I, and I think it's actually very similar to a sermon. Pastors are given the word of God, but then they exposit it. And there's always the chance that they might get it wrong. And so they should be in fear of that. I should be in fear of that. But I think readers will view my depiction of God as just that, a depiction of God. It's it's not meant to be taken completely literally. It's my view. So that gives me some comfort. But at the same time, like Rulina says, I have to really know that I'm presenting the truth because it's it's very shaky ground. I'll be held responsible for this. Right. And I feel like one of the reasons why I find it a pressing question is for what you just said there is uh, on the last day, we're going to have to give an account for every word that we say. And if that applies to just the random words I have in a conversation with a guy after work, that certainly applies to works I labor, words I labor over and craft it and spend, you know, years crafting, putting out in a book for everyone to read is I'm going to be held accountable for for this kind of thing and and that's uh that can be a scary thought um but you mentioned uh not just depicting guidance stories but also trying to come up with uh unique epiphanies for your characters and i don't know if i have faced this specific question myself but one thing i do try to do to make my themes come alive is i believe it's not just the questions you ask and the answers you give but the opposition you give and we talk about suspension of 
disbelief in stories. I think you can do a suspension of disbelief in theme where everybody knows what the answer is. But, um, you know, it's the same way in real life. Often we know what we should do, but we don't do it. And I think if you can, in your stories, put up a good enough, unique, really scary opposition to the truth in your story, then that will make the same old, same old truth come alive in a new way. As part of the thing I, I wrestle with, kind of, you know, I, I, see, I, I see your point with the importance of, of studying against a new opposition. I think that can be effective. I, I think that can work. Mm-hmm. The challenge in my mind comes with how do you make that message avoid being cliched? When you've got a new opposition and you say, well, what's the, what's, what's the answer? And the answer going back is, you know, something, you know, the audience has heard before. And on the one hand, I, I believe that that is the answer that we need, is we need those, those old answers that we've heard before. But I, I find, I don't know, sometimes I feel like they need, we need old answers delivered in new ways. I think mm-hmm. that's the power of storytellers to show the new is to show new angles of the applicability of those messages. But it can be a challenge at times to show that that new applicability without changing the actual message you're giving. Right. For me, I think kind of going back to what Josiah had said about cliches and bringing a fresh perspective to them. That's probably the the thing I've struggled with the most with this is I avoided bringing about themes in my stories like love and revenge and forgiveness as much as I could because I was like, there's no way I could bring a new perspective to this. But then I'd end up writing my story and in the end would find, oh, my character totally just learned about forgiveness. So one thought that I that I found in when I consistently found some of these these old truths that keep coming up in my character's stories, kind of like it's been mentioned um, as we were talking here, is that we as humans need reminders. We we need that reminder of what love is, or that we that we need to forgive. And I think what brings about the the newness or the different perspective in in stories that I see, I could read a hundred stories with the theme of love and still pick up something new each time because each of the circumstances that that character was walking through is different. I love how each reader that will read your story is going to be walking through something different in life. And when they come to your story, they are going to pick up something different maybe than another reader will. And the the character that you decide to create, the story that you decide to walk them through, where they learn about forgiveness or love or whatever it is, um, maybe that's the story that is going to finally break through to a reader about forgiveness. So um, I think that's where some of the the creativity, the new creativity, really has helped me see that bring a different light to different truths that we hold on to and that we we repeat in stories as reminders. We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. This week on our blog, Gabrielle Pollock shares five ways to infuse tension into stories of any genre. And Savannah Grace presents three mindsets for surviving and thriving at your first writer's conference. You can check out these articles and more at storyembers.org slash blog. Be sure to swing by our resource library if you're feeling stuck or in need of a little creativity boost. Our world building and character questionnaires are perfect for brainstorming, and our Words for the Weary Writer ebook collects our best advice for what to do when you're feeling discouraged or caught in the writing slog. 
You can find these and other amazing resources at storyembers.org resources. Welcome back. I'm with Josiah DeGraff, Rolina Hatfield, and Dea Slam, and we're discussing the tension between creativity and orthodoxy we face as Christian storytellers. So, Josiah, you've written the Chronicles of Morshan, and in that story world, you have 13 gods, I believe. How did you navigate this question when you were writing those? Yeah, so um, give me give me a moment, because some of this, some of this I intentionally have not revealed in the stories yet. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. So some of how I've gotten through this is kind of spoiler material, and I haven't really revealed all the metaphysics of the world. But certainly when I began creating the story, well, let me say this. So when I was creating the, the Chronicles of Morsha, I, I was struggling with this, with this question. And in my mind, you can kind of do, I, I can kind of see a case for doing a couple things as a storyteller. I can certainly see the case that says, you know, when you're developing fantasy worlds, you need to make sure, you know, that the Christian metaphysics of that remain identical in those worlds, because that's the truth we're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. I can also see a case to be made for writing worlds that are intentionally pagan, where what you're doing is you're exploring what would a world with pagan metaphysics look like? it probably doesn't look very pleasant. You know, in, in some ways, I think the, the Norse were the closest to this in their understanding of pagan metaphysics, where the Norse mythology to grossly oversimplify things is, yeah, the world is terrible, everything's terrible, life is suffering, and that's pretty, and, you know, the world's eventually going to end, and there's, there's this twilight of the gods because these things can't stay forever. And is you know presented in this pretty terrible outlook, and so I see room for Christian storytellers being able to tell those sorts of stories, of stories that intentionally have you know pagan metaphysics or perhaps even atheist metaphysics that's intentionally exploring you know what would these metaphysics look like in a real world. It's probably not going to be very very appealing. It's probably not going to be very optimistic. It's you know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of suffering, um, and a lot of darkness with worlds built on those metaphysics. Now, the the exact way I chose to to frame those and well and meld those together for the my my world of Morshan, I'm going to remain mum on um, because that kind of gets into spoiler material. But those were some of the different possibilities I was trying to think through when I was creating the world um, of what world am I telling and, and, and what is, what, what am I trying to lead to in this? And, you know, perhaps to put it, you know, maybe another way that's getting close to kind of how I've been trying to struggle to think through this question, how can I approach things in a new way that ends up leading back to Christian orthodoxy or ends up helping us better understand Christian orthodoxy when thinking about things that are very, at times intentionally different from Christian orthodoxy. Okay. Yeah, I like that way you phrased that question. Um, actually, as I think about this, kind of the inspiration for me and part of this was Till We Have Faces. This might be a really good one to examine because mm. it's written. <laughs> it's already written and um, we don't have to worry so much about spoilers. So Till We Have Faces is an exceptional book by C.S. Lewis. And it takes place in ancient 
somewhere in Europe. I don't remember where. Um, and it's a retelling of a, of a pagan myth. And throughout all the story, there are these gods, multiple gods, and they're treated as real. And then at the end of the story, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but it comes to the point where the big plot revolving around these pagan gods leads to a point that is very Christian. And at the end, um, C.S. Lewis leaves us with a hint of monotheism in a very uh, mind-boggling way. You can interpret the story in many different ways, so it's a bit of a mystery, but he, he did this very well with starting off with a very pagan society and leading to Christian truths. And, you know, I would even debate some of his techniques there. I think there's certain things that may be a little too vague. And so this is this is definitely something to be very careful on. But I do think he shows it's possible. I think part of the answer goes back to one of the things that was said in a previous podcast, that if we are going to be depicting truths from Scripture, then we need to be consistently in Scripture so that we have no doubts that we are depicting God that we are depicting his his laws and his his truths and how how humanity works and how he he reveals himself to humanity whatever it is that we're reveal we're we're depicting it correctly. I think this is one of the things that I hesitate the most to talk about in I hate to say like churchy Christian circles mm. because I you know questions about storytellers and how you navigate this creativity and God's God's truth and his design how he's designed the world and some people who aren't as comfortable with me writing outside of that or letting my creativity, mm. you know, explore some of those things. So I guess I was actually going to ask you guys, how, how have you navigated some of those kind of questions? Well, I was just saying that that sparked a lot of thoughts of mine and really, because I think that is the other part of it is how do you express this with other people who maybe, you know, they want, you know, in, in terms of, you know, how clearly do you, show Christian orthodoxy within the story because that's part of the creativity, you know, creative mindset is how clearly do you really want to come out with everything? You know, I know sometimes, you know, authors have found themselves in places where they did not come out as, you know, as clearly as they could for Christian orthodoxy. And there's a bit of a pushback um, on that kind of artistic sentiment. And I've, I've certainly done things like that in my own stories where I intentionally veil all of what I might be suggesting. And I personally haven't gotten much pushback on it, but I won't be surprised if someday I do get some of that pushback because of the fact that it's it's not as, as clear as it, as it can be. And sometimes I think some of the complaints I see other Christian reviewers writing about stories I really like, I look at them and say, well, that, you know, I don't really feel like that's really fair because that's not really what the story is getting at. But that's one of the, you know, that, that's one of the challenges. Okay, so I'm going to give a convoluted answer here. Uh, this comes from one time when I was asked um, why I write fantasy, why I think it's okay to do so. And I did something that may be original. I don't know. I pointed to the verse where Jesus said, um, you know, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen these mighty works, which I have done, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. And so kind of the principle I got from that was that in God's eyes, um, there is such a thing as a true, authentic, alternate reality. One of the big objections to fantasy or any sort of speculative fiction is that it's not real, where I think this verse is saying that 
in God's eyes, these things that could have happened that did not actually happen are in a sense real. Um, and then from there, I went with the whole theory. If you know, you go back in time, you kick a stone and it changes the whole course of history. That may be a bit of exaggeration, but you know, I thought, what if Sodom and Gomorrah did repent? How would that have changed history entirely? Um, and you know, sometimes God intervenes in miraculous ways. You know, what if what if Moses were still alive? Perhaps what if for some reason there's something that God decided to keep Moses alive for a while, and he was still part of the Red Sea or something? You know, what if there was a great judgment on Europe and God broke Europe up into you know 16 different islands, and the, the world map looked completely different? There's all these what ifs, and while God's character remains the same, I don't believe any of these alternate realities are really unreal. Thanks for joining me, you guys, and thanks to you listeners for tuning in. You can learn more about each of the staffers on today's episode at storyembers.org about. Have you ever wrestled with balancing creativity and orthodoxy? What are your thoughts on how to navigate this in storytelling? Let us know in the comments or head over to the forum thread for this episode on our website by following the link below. We'd love to hear your thoughts and continue the conversation. Also, make sure to tune in next time as we continue discussing this topic with Josiah, Hope Ann, and Brandon Miller. Finally, special thanks to Taylor Clogston and Michael Stanton for their support on our Patreon. Be sure to tune in August 17th for the next episode of the Story Embers podcast. Uh, on the last day, we're going to have to give an account for every word that we say, not just, you know, and if that applies to just, you know, the random words I have in a conversation with, you know, a guy after work that certainly applies to works I labor words I labor over and craft and spend, you know, years crafting, you know, and you know, am you know putting out in a book for everyone to read is I'm gonna be held accountable for for this kind of thing and and that's uh that can be a scary thought. Hopefully you won't be held accountable for every time you say you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be very that would be very bad. Gracie is Gracie will hold me accountable for that one. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible enough. <laughs>